Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Great. Haven't we been enjoying a lovely time with Steve as he talks to us about generosity? It's been a great start, I think. I love how he started by saying, you are a very generous church. And you've shown over and over again how much you can give. And it's wonderful. It's a real privilege and a joy to serve and work with generous people. What else have we learnt from Steve over the last two weeks? Well, we've learnt that with generosity comes joyfulness and a really dynamic energy. When you're generous, your life overflows. It's kind of a lifestyle with its own particular thinking and feeling. And it's to do not only with money, but our time and our talents as well. Generosity builds for the future. You know, we've been involved here as a church for Jesus for 132 years. That's generous and it shows, doesn't it? So well done. But wait, there's more. Steve has taught us that generosity is really a reflection of your devotion to God. I want to press pause right here. And today we're going to reflect on this. Do you remember the big idea that Steve gave us? How we manage what we own is a reflection of our devotion towards the one to whom it all belongs. Generosity, you see, reflects the condition of our heart before God and how generous we are depends on how healthy our heart is. How can we tune our hearts up so that they're in tune with God's ideas about generosity? How we qu can we make sure that our attitude towards what we own is perfect? How can I have a perfectly generous heart? Well, recently my generosity was tested. I was confronted by a beggar. What do you do? I never know what to do. My heart starts to thud and then I walk past, avoiding eye contact. Do you know there are beggars on streets all over the world, in subways, on trains, in Delhi, in Glasgow, in London. I've been in all those places. And every time a beggar comes into view, I die a little bit. And these negative thoughts go through my mind. What can I do to help? Nothing. Even if I gave $500, that money's going to disappear in a flash. And you know that behind every beggar, there's a hungry family, crooked relatives, debts, thieves. That's 500 gone and nothing to show for it. Anyway, there are proper organisations set up to help beggars. So when I see a beggar, 
there's a failure. There's a heart failure going on. My heart needs attention. So I wonder if you could do a little readout on your heart this morning. I reckon we could all have a tune-up when it comes to generosity. When I was last in New York, which was recently, I was again confronted by beggars. I couldn't escape. And Patrick, my husband, managed to walk past, but I couldn't. I began to hear a little voice, kind of inside my thudding heart, saying, give, give. We left New York, we went to Glasgow. Those beggars got there ahead of me. I don't know how they did it. Airplane tickets, no problem. Mountains and the oceans, no problem. There they were. And again, that gentle word, give, give. Today, when you came in, I hope you got a little card. On that card, there are some simple suggestions about ways that you could give at Door of a Hope. Now, be honest. What's your heart's reaction when you see concrete recommendations about how to give. Is it a bit like my heart reaction to the beggar? You put the card away. Jesus taught us all there is to know about giving. There's one story I want us to focus on today and it's the story of the rich young ruler. You know it. It's in Matthew 19 and you can read it later together. You remember that the rich young man comes to Jesus and says, what should I do? What good thing can I do so that my life can be eternally significant? And Jesus is very, very smart. He says to me, why do you ask me about this? God is the one who's good. If you want to enter the life of God, just do what he tells you. But what, what in particular, asked this rich man? Jesus says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. And the young man says, I've done all that. Is that a bit like you? I'm doing all that. If you want to give it all you've got, Jesus says, go Sell your possessions. Give everything to the poor. Then your wealth will be in heaven. And then follow me. That was the last thing the young man wanted to hear and he walked away. I think this story is so important that I want you to listen to it again. We're going to hear it again told in the voice of the rich young man. It's a beautiful poem and it's written by a Tasmanian poet, Clive Sampson. And as you hear the poem, have a look at this beautiful picture of a tormented, rich young man who's being called to take his next step on the hope pathway and his heart isn't tuned for it. Thank you. Let's have the poem now. What must I do, Master, to gain eternal life? From my youth I have kept the commandments, honoured my parents, 
theft, murder, lying, adultery, all of these by God's mercy have passed me by. What then must I do, Master? What more must I do? Sell all, he replied, and follow me. An easy saying, he a carpenter, a carpenter's son, sacrificed nothing. And the his man, Peter, smirking, self-righteous, what did he lose but some unwanted nets, a boat share, and trade in the market? It wasn't myself I was thinking of, ease and possessions, but the responsibility of wealth towards its dependence. What of them if I had obeyed him? What of my servants? <sighs> That's what I tell myself now, but do I believe it? Then, silent, I walked away watching my sandals while his voice the voice of my heart followed me homeward. In misery, I stopped by the lake. Hid by the crowd wall, I heard him speak of the kingdom of God, the camel, the needle. You see, Jesus says, if you want to give life all you've got, there's another step. Beyond tithes and offerings, there's another step. It's huge. It's drastic. Jesus says it's actually nearly impossible for those of us who own stuff to enter into what is eternally significant. It's as hard to do this as to stuff a camel through the eye of a needle. I'm wondering if you are doing nothing with your something, like me with the beggar. The rich young ruler had lots of good motives for hanging on to his bit, but Jesus was asking him to let go of everything. This story prompts us to ask, okay, how devoted am I? to God. Steve reminded us of another story which you'll recall about the widow. I'm hoping there's a picture going to up, go up now which shows us this widow who gave a tiny amount but it was her everything. And when I look at this painting I notice this is a young woman with a child. Is this a single mum? giving not out of her surplus, but out of her everything. You see, God wants us to give everything to him. Honestly, I don't know how to soften this idea for you, but it's true. Entering the kingdom of heaven, which means choosing what is spiritual and eternal, as the most important thing is what it costs. It cost God everything. Perhaps we can understand cost and enormity 
and drastic and everything, if we can remember together the story of Abraham with Isaac. Let's read this story together now. It should be coming up on the screen. It's from Genesis 22, if you want to take note of that and read it later. God said, Abraham, yes, answered Abraham, I'm listening. You see, I know you're listening. I know you're listening. God said, take your dear son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I'll point out to you. Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He took two of his servants and his son. He had wood for the burnt offering and he set out for the place that God had directed. Abraham... Sorry. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and gave it to Isaac, his son, to carry. He carried the flint and the knife and the two of them went off together. Isaac said to Abraham, his father, Father, yes, my son. And oh, how he loved him. We have flint and wood, but where's the sheep? Abraham said, God will see to it. And they kept on walking. They arrived at the place. Abraham built the altar. He laid out the wood then he tied up Isaac and laid him on the wood. Abraham reached out and took the knife. Just then, an angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, I'm listening. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't touch him. I know how fearlessly you fear God. You didn't hesitate to place your son, your dear son, on the altar for me. Abraham looked up and saw the ram. The angel spoke a second time. I swear, because you have gone through with this and have not refused to give me your son... Your dear, dear son, I'll bless you. Oh, how I'll bless you. And I'll make sure your children flourish like stars in the sky. All nations on earth will find themselves blessed through your descendants because you obeyed me. God asks us to give everything because when we live, completely abandoned to his will and purpose, God can make something of eternal significance out of our lives. What was Abraham thinking as he climbed that mountain? Was he weeping? Was he worried? Was he desperately searching for a way out? I think Abraham was at peace. I think Abraham's heart was just right, his pulse rate steady. 
I think he was totally willing to rest the life of his son in the hands of God. Abraham passed the test. Talk about eternal significance. As a result of Abraham's faithfulness, God built a nation that would bear his name and bring hope to the world for thousands of years. Out of this nation would come Jesus, the hope of the world. If Abraham had not said, yes, I will give you what's most precious to me, God would not have been able to bring Jesus into the world. Abraham's faith allowed God to build something tremendous, the forgiveness of our sins for the whole world forever. Let's pause for a moment and consider this story in the light of our 2020 vision. It's about him, remember, H is for hope, a thousand new people in community with us, filled with hope. The I stands for invitation, all of us reaching out, inviting our friends and neighbours to church. And the M stands for mercy, showing infinite generous kindness to our community, unlike me with the beggar. And how are we going to get there? You see, God can't trust his name and his reputation to hearts that are not authentic. He can't do that. He's saying to us, will you trust me? If you trust me, I can entrust my name and reputation to you. I can do amazing and wonderful things right here, right now, if you will only trust me. Abraham held nothing back, especially what was dearest to him. You see, for us to be the church that God can bless to the max, to bring hope and mercy, we can't hold anything back here. Giving God everything is the key. Can you imagine with me if we all lived with that kind of daring, giving faith that Abraham had, that kind of generous, giving heart, filled with faith, not scared? I think if we all took this next step on our hope pathway of giving our everything to God, we would see those 1,000 stories of hope by 2020. You see, this kind of giving, I think, is not an optional extra for us now. It's an imperative. Abraham had reached the point in his life where he had lain down wanting. His life was no longer about getting. His life was simply about following and giving. His had become a lifestyle of sacrificial giving. It's so different from letting that other principle, that principle of getting, rule our lives. 
Some of you may know Australian, actually Tasmanian author, Richard Flanagan. He wrote a book recently called Wanting, and it's all about how allowing that principle of what am I going to get out of life, it's showing us that if you live by that principle, your life's heading in the wrong direction. His story is partly about Charles Dickens. Did you know that Charles Dickens, although a successful writer, used to walk the streets of London into the early hours of the morning, upset and longing? He eventually chose a woman, not his wife, to devote his life to, and he destroyed his marriage, he destroyed his family, and he died a bitter man. Woven into this story called Wanting is a parallel story about a man who lived at the same time, someone called Sir John Franklin, who was a governor of Tasmania. When Sir John was, uh, finished his term of office here and went back to London, there were rumours that he had mishandled his affairs in Tasmania. He was so bothered by that and he longed so much for public approval that he went off on a harebrained scheme in his old age exploring at the North Pole. He died there, longing for the approval that he never got. You see, wanting and getting is the opposite of giving. Here's what God says about giving. Why do you spend money for what isn't bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what's good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. That's what God's calling us to do at Door of Hope. Steve told you about the widow of Zarephath last week. That widow was asked by God to give everything. How did it turn out for her? A life of utter abundance in a place of drought and worry and death. At one point in my life, Jesus asked me to give everything to him. Patrick, my husband and I were living in Canberra and we were asked by Door of Hope to give up our jobs in Canberra and come and work for the community here for far less money but for God's glory. It was that voice that I've learned to recognise, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Well, we came and it was really hard, mainly because I left my grown daughters behind. But also it was hard because we'd left everything we knew and we were starting over and it was tough. Well, we proved that God is faithful. After 10 years, we're still going strong, still doing what God asked us to do. But the best thing, the best thing is that my daughters who were far from God are now walking straight into his kingdom. My elder daughter rang me to say, Mum, send me a Bible and send me activities so that my dear little boys can learn all about Jesus and grow up with the right values. <laughs> I've just been with my other daughter, yeah. My younger daughter, 
her husband was away on work and uh, she was concerned about him doing well there and a problem came up and he wasn't doing well and I said, let's just pray. So we all held hands, the baby and the mum and I, and we prayed. God made a beautiful, miraculous change in her husband's situation and we started having prayer regularly, the three of us, and the little one-year-old can now say amen. (laughs) You see, giving everything results in eternal gain. So, there I was in New York with the beggars. My heart was hurting, it's true. But I began to listen to that still small voice. I got organised. Instead of worrying about pickpockets, I put a supply of money in my back pocket. And then when I saw a beggar, I was ready Instead of avoiding, I reached out. I handed over money, gently. I gazed into real eyes, and I spoke a word of peace and a word of blessing over the beggars. As I was obedient to God's prompting, my heart started to tune up again. I began to look for the beggars and look forward to the moment of blessing. God promises us so much if we can give up wanting and in its place become generous givers. Just listen to these promises. Hopefully they're going up on the screen now. Here's the first promise. It comes from Luke who gave up everything. He was the itinerant missionary doctor, remember? Luke said, I live having nothing and yet possessing all things. Here's the second promise. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Here's the third promise. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said, you're far happier giving than getting. And here's the last one. The righteous person gives and gives. The generous person gets it all in the end. Last week, actually three weeks ago, in little old Lonnie, I was at the video store. I was approached by a beggar. His eyes were dark and shrouded. His clothes were filthy. He was painfully thin. He gazed kind of nervously at me and asked for money. Was I angry? Did I freeze? Was I upset? No. My heart was tuned. I gave the beggar all the gold that I had with me. I gave freely and I gave authentically. Out of all the wealth that's been given to me, I could bless the beggar. You know what I love most in the Abraham and Isaac story? What I love most is Abraham saying, yep, I'm listening. Isn't that the key? Yep, 
I'm listening. I don't know what God is going to ask you to give, but I do know that he will put his hand on what's most precious to you. And he will say, that's what I want from you. This is not about the surplus. This is about your heart and the things that matter most to you. And whatever he asks you to give, give. Out of that will flow blessing. I've also learnt that God is very simple and very clear when he directs us to give. He will let you know the precise number of dollars if you'll listen. Some of you could think about doing the Mastering Your Money course. Dr. Alan Meyer wrote the program and he's lived a life of giving. He's learned some secrets about how to look after your obligations and to have a generous lifestyle that's focused on others. God will put his finger on whatever it is that you're holding back. It may even, even be a relationship or a secret plan that you have. Give that to him and take heart as you listen and learn to give each specific thing that God names in your life. Blessing will flow not only on you, but on all of us and out into our city. Eternally significant things will happen. There's so much in store for us if we can learn to give this way. Abraham was given back his son. You will be given joys that you can't even imagine if you're prepared to give your everything. There's a beautiful picture going up of the widow, her name remembered for all time as the person who gave out of her everything. I'm going to pray right now, and there are going to be two prayers. The first one is for those of you who are totally new to this idea of giving everything. Just open your heart and pray with me as I pray. Dear Father, deep in my heart, I know that you're worthy of my everything. Today I'm saying yes to you. I want to live a faith-filled life. Teach me to trust you more and more every day. Amen. And my second prayer is for those of you well along the hope pathway. Now you're ready, I believe, for a new drastic step of faith. You're ready to go beyond the 10th plus extras. You're ready to say, count me in God. I don't want to be like the rich young ruler. I want to take the next step and give you everything. This is your prayer. Lord, I've followed you faithfully, but now I know there's more. I'm asking you to give me a perfect heart. I will give you my nearest and dearest and put it all in your hands. I will walk the faith mountain with nothing but dependence upon you. I am totally committed to the vision and mission of your beautiful church. And from now on, I'm not holding anything back. Amen.
May God bless you as you give your everything.